0: built a house where all are made. Their songs and visions, had. and love and treasure, taught and made as one within the world. Built of tears and cries and laughter, Fresh of faith. I uh-huh.
1: The words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Inclusion is a big word for modern life, a huge and important theme, part of the zeitgeist, a buzzword of the moment. Inclusion. It's big in schools. Whatever your special needs, your different gifting, your place on the spectrum, you must not be excluded by the school. Inclusion is how it has to be, and the school will organise itself around your needs, and rightly so. Living out the implications of inclusion policies has become accepted as a cultural imperative businesses have hold departments dedicated to overseeing proper practice in the world of inclusion and its twin sister diversity. And given that this is the way of the world now, enshrined in various declarations of human rights, how alien to that mood it seems When we hear talk of walls and fences and keeping out and excluding and people shut out and cut off from opportunity. Equal opportunity for all. No one barred from benefit because of race, gender, orientation or creed. This is the new dynamic Long ago in the American Constitution, it was enshrined in its mantra, justice for all. Justice for all. Seems only right. No one left out of the equation. And this is now a global ideal and aspiration, a commitment reinforced by the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights in its preamble. Whereas recognition of the inherent dignity of and the equal and inalienable rights of all members of the human family this is the foundation of freedom and justice and peace in the world it goes on to say all human beings are born free and equal in dignity and in rights it goes on to say all are equal before the law and are entitled without any discrimination to equal protection of the law All are entitled to equal protection against any discrimination in violation of this declaration. All. No exceptions. For such a little word, all is a big idea. We like it most of the time. There is a roundedness to it. It feels good. All are welcome in this place, we sing. And we hope we mean it. But are we comfortable when the all refers to the fact that according to the Bible all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short. Apparently there are no exceptions. No get out of of jail free card. Oh that surely doesn't mean me. No one slips the net of that verdict. And we may huff and puff in resistance, we list our achievements, we list our efforts, we delineate our good deeds, we demonstrate our charitable giving, our neighbourly gestures, our sacrifices, and still the bell tolls the same truth. Not enough. Fallen short. All have sinned and come short. All are in need. All are naked. The Bible says all our righteousness is as filthy rags. All guilty, no exceptions. Pope or prostitute, rotary president or drug dependent, down and out. We're all in trouble. We're all infected by the virus. Not good enough. Which means that the message of the gospel is powerfully precious good news to everyone. As it declares that God's forgiveness is for all. No exceptions. No sin too great that it can't be swept away by God's soul-drenching forgiveness. No stain too indelible to be washed clean by his healing love. People find that hard to believe and some people don't want to believe it don't want to see forgiveness and its possibilities reach into the abyss of some evil unrepentant heart people say surely God's forgiveness doesn't include the concentration camp guards or the sadists of ISIS or the drunk driver who killed my child or the man who wrecked my life Not them, surely, people say. Perhaps even sadder, some people can't believe that their personal transgression that sits like a boulder on their heart and weighs them down with guilt and shame can be overcome and washed away. Their betrayal, their ugly deed, their harsh words. Cleansed by the gracious forgiveness of God? And that's the real question about God's forgiveness. Is there forgiveness or is there not? Is the deed done or is it not done? Does it depend on what Christ has done for us or does it need me to fix something before it works? Does it depend on my response before it counts? Does Christ come halfway and say, Now you've got to come the other half? Is that how it works? The Bible based metaphors abound, and with them the questions. Is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary adequate, efficacious, sufficient? Are the slaves his love sets free really redeemed? Has the ransom he paid been paid in full? A debate that's raged across the church. What's called universalism. All are included. All are delivered. Everyone is made clean. Versus my personal faith as the reality that pertains. What counts? The cross of Calvary? Calvary? Or my response to it. Of course, just because you are forgiven doesn't mean you necessarily want to be forgiven. If you insist, I'm fine, I don't need the cure because I haven't got the disease, I don't need the solution because I don't have the problem, I'm doing fine, thank you very much. I'm not afraid to face my Maker and bring all the good deeds I've done and the brownie points I've earned. I don't need to be saved it's not as if I'm drowning people say if you resist the love of God with your stubborn heart if you prefer to live like a pauper even though you are a prince that's your prerogative those who would rather rule in hell than serve in heaven are free to make that choice At liberty to live in the desert and turn their back on the garden that's there for them. We can do this, we free men and women. Harden our heart against the approach of His grace, turn our back on the sunlight of His promise. We can do that if we choose, and some people do. But just because we don't want to be loved doesn't mean that we're not loved. Just because we want to live in a dungeon of our own creation, our own ego, doesn't mean that we're not, in fact, free to live in the sunshine. The Bible tells us that a cosmic miracle of love beyond our defining or describing happened when Christ bore our sins on the cross and brought forgiveness, new life, eternal promise, the liberty of redeemed slaves. To all his children. Not partial. Not just for the lucky few. It's happened. It's done. It's finished. Like he said on the cross. It is finished. We may not know. We cannot tell what pains he had to bear. But we believe. It was for us. He hung and suffered there. And we are all embraced by his grace and held to his heart. Because we all needed him. And because we all needed him, Christ died for us all. And the good news that we announce to the world is this, that he has made us rich in his mercy. He has made us his own. Now let's be his. And the implications of that are that his call to follow him, his invitation to discipleship, his summons, these come to us all too, with no exceptions. We're all invited to walk with him, to share our life with him, to open our heart to his coming, and to share the blessing of his spirit changing how we think and see the world and see other people. Here is the gospel. There is not a single person in the whole world to whom he does not address his call. I love you and I died for you. Come and follow me. No exceptions. Nobody left out. Will you come and follow me? If I but call your name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.